Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. China is ready to fight. That's the announcement this very day. China's military said it is ready to fight after completing three days of large-scale combat exercises around Taiwan that simulated sealing off the island in response to the Taiwanese president's trip to the U.S. last week. The combat readiness patrols named Joint Sword were meant as a warning to self-governing Taiwan, which China claims as its own. The theater's troops are ready to fight at all times and can fight at any time to resolutely smash any form of Taiwan independence and foreign interference, the military in China said today. Well, in response to that, the headline reads this, U.S. open to deploying troops in Taiwan. That was from Senator Lindsey Graham declared he would fight for the island because it's a democracy. Then again, we know that Finland was just received into NATO, and for the Russian Times came this headline, Embracing the Empire, What Does NATO Accession Mean for the Once Famous Neutral Finland? Then Again, NATO to hold largest ever aerial war games. Then the International Monetary Fund announces global economic outlook weakest in decades. And then the Ukrainian church to ban prayers in Russia, infighting in the church. In Berlin, protesters calling for death to Israel and death to Jews. And the U.S. political attitudes toward Israel have changed, says Jewish Joe Lieberman, former senator. It used to be that Democrats were the primary focusers uh, focusers and supporters of Israel. And now it's far and away Republicans, he said. Then comes this headline from the Jerusalem Post. Iran kickstarts multi-front Middle East war against Israel. And finally... Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum is hiring millions of so-called information warriors to seize control of the Internet. What a series of headlines. Question. Can war win the world? Can war save the world? Can war unite the world? It appears that the world is terribly disunited at every single level. In Israel, the infighting is so great that the former prime minister is claiming that the current prime minister just elected must be removed from office. Does that sound familiar? It's the same story in the United States. Wars and rumors of wars. Internecine wars. Wars within the family, wars within churches, wars and rumors of wars everywhere. What are we to make of this? With a world so dramatically divided, is there anywhere in the world that one could ever look to for stability? 
Is there anywhere in the world that one could ever look to to bring peace on earth, goodwill to men? It appears that the only one we can look to is the one who was resurrected from the dead, who died for all men and was resurrected from the dead to give all of us hope. For this, if in this life only we have hope, we're of all men most miserable, wrote the Apostle Paul. And so today on Viewpoint, we take a look at what in the world is really happening. Are these the kinds of wars and rumors of wars that Jesus foretold just two days before his crucifixion there from the Mount of Olives as he talked with his disciples? Not only are we seeing these kinds of wars and rumors of wars, but then we have the war of truth. Pontius Pilate had asked just before Jesus' crucifixion in a sarcastic way, what is truth? As if there's no such thing as truth. It's whatever I want it to be. It's whatever I say it is. The judge says truth is whatever I say it is. Really? So we have a war. We have a war going on between truth and untruth. We have a war going on between mercy and truth. We have a war going on within our churches. Anti-Semitism is sweeping the world. In the United States, in the UK, in Germany, everywhere. And in Iran, of course, breathing threatenings and slaughterings that they're about ready to strike the small or little Satan, Israel, and the big Satan, the United States of America. Who can we trust? Where can we go? Today on Viewpoint, our purpose is not to strike fear, but to help us to understand that these are the very times that Jesus spoke about, and in the midst of these times, you and I are tested to walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. Living by faith in good times requires almost nothing. Requiring by, uh, Living by faith in trying times requires everything. And that's why we're being tested. That's why Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. He wasn't talking about those who live to the end. He was talking about those who are faithful and walk in genuine trust and faith and obedience to Christ until the end. That's what he did, and he was crucified for it. He did the Father's will, and he was crucified for it. He said, if they if they crucified me, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So why do you think you should be different than your Lord? Friends, these are the times, not only the try men's souls, as was said at the time of the American Revolution by Mr. Payne. But no, these are times that try men's souls today and increasingly try the souls of Christians, professing followers of Jesus Christ. By the way, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have not committed your life to him, I urge you to seriously consider doing so because it is going to be your only hope. 
It is going to be your only hope for any destiny beyond any hoped-for destiny on this planet. You can see what's happening. You can see what human nature is doing. Human nature is self-destructing because it is a sin nature. We're born in sin, in sin did our mothers conceive us, the scripture says, and that's why we need a savior. So we're facing testing and trials and tribulations. Somebody asked the question, are we in the tribulation? Well, are we? Are we in tribulation today? Absolutely, we're in tribulation. We're facing trials and tribulations and so on. Are we in the great tribulation? No. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Viewpoint. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. It is and is becoming a world we have not known. Those were the words of Henry Kissinger, who was Secretary of State for some period of time, particularly during the Nixon uh, administration. He said, never before have so many structural changes in the international system occurred simultaneously. That was in 1997, friends. He said, China will emerge as an incipient superpower. It is a burgeoning nationalistic pride fueling a secular faith in political and military power, increasingly asserting itself not only in the China Sea, but across the seven seas and seven continents, driving inexorably toward a dreamed destiny of global dominion. So, as the wings of the great eagle, the United States of America have suffered a moderate clipping over the past several decades, The glory of her majestic flight over the nations has become tarnished in her pursuit of Pax Americana, that's the American peace through exportation of democracy, has met with antagonism in a pervasively politically correct world where multiculturalism and religious pluralism are reigning blindingly supreme and where genuine biblical faith at home has fled the public domain in fear of offending a world increasingly driven by feelings. That was the introduction to a section in uh, the book, The Dragon Versus the Eagle, which I wrote 10 years ago. That subsection of that chapter is called As the Eagle Falters. You see, what we're seeing today should have been seen years ago, but we didn't want to recognize it. Our leaders didn't want to recognize it. All the signs were there. Everything was pointing these directions. As Henry Kissinger Kissinger announced in 1997, just uh, two years after we launched this radio program in 1995, he said it, it is and is becoming a world we have not known. Well, that's exactly what Jesus was trying to tell us in Matthew chapter 24, isn't it? 
He was trying to tell us what it would be in the end of the age, as we approach the final events of world history, as we approach the seventh millennium, the final millennium of world history. So, today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a a further and deeper look at uh, what's happening with regard to China, uh, because that is the thing that's being announced this very day. The U.S. open to deploying troops in Taiwan, which is in direct antagonism to China. China now declaring after a uh, three-day war game that they're ready to fight, ready to fight, ready to fight. At the same time, the announcement came today that the United States military, the Pentagon, is now trembling because they have exported far too many bullets to Ukraine, leaving us unprotected with regard to a portending war with China. Will war unite us? Or are we going to continue to be so divided that we can never recover? Jesus said that a city divided against itself cannot stand. A family divided against itself cannot stand. A nation divided against itself cannot stand. And now a world is divided against itself. The problem with the world being identified or uh coming against itself, is that the vision then becomes, well, what can we do to unite the whole world contrary to God's will that the world remain in its nations that God designated? That leads us then to the final goal to establish a one-world government, a one-world order, that will enable us to eliminate wars and antagonisms and religious persecution and so on. Sounds good on the surface, but in reality it leads to the utmost despotism that the world has ever, ever seen. And so that's where we are at this juncture in human history. So it behooves you and me listeners to this program, 99% of whom are professing Christians, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as we move inexorably toward the fulfillment of biblical prophecy at the end of the age. This is the moment of truth, where in the valley of decision, every single one of us in the valley of decision, will we're going to have to make choices serious choices. What are we living for? Who are we living for? And what are we doing about it? Are we just making a claim that we're a a follower of Jesus Christ? Are we just making a claim that we're a Christian? Are we just leaning ourselves on some baptism that took place years ago or on some confession of faith that we made 40 years ago? Is that what we're relying upon? Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7 that not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, or claims to be my followers is going to inherit the kingdom of God. Then he completed the sentence by saying, only those who do the will of my Father are going to inherit the kingdom. 
only those who do the will of my Father. That's what Jesus did. He did the will of his Father. The final will of his Father was to yield himself a sacrificial lamb on the tree, on the cross, so that he might fulfill the destiny that God had designed to redeem humankind that would humble themselves and receive the blood of Christ to paint on the doorstep, on the lintel of their hearts and of the, the doorposts of their, uh, their hearts. Just as happened when the uh, Jewish people, the Hebrews, uh, did so on their way out of Egypt at Passover. So this is where we are today. We're talking, we're looking at facts on the ground. But the facts on the ground are not everything that we need to look at. We do need to look at them, and we need we should not be ignorant of them. But these facts on the ground that we're alluding to today, through headlines that I've shared with you as we open the program today, sounding the alarm everywhere. But when you sound an alarm, it should lead to a response that is consistent with God's word, his will, and his ways. That response first requires repentance. It requires that we acknowledge that uh, our ways are not pleasing to him, that we have sinned, we've come short of the glory of God, and even if you have professed Christ at some point, uh, we still need to repent. The Apostle John, writing to the church, said that if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But if we will confess our sin, Come clean before him. He's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we repent. We turn from that. Given the confession, we turn from those ways and begin to walk in the ways of the Lord, just as Jesus walked. We're to walk in his steps. In his steps. We're to follow him with a whole heart fervently so that's the call of the moment that's the call of this era that's the call of this monday here on the near edge of the second coming as we sound the alarm of what is taking place now in my book uh king of the mountain the eternal epic and end time battle uh there is a chapter called the dragon versus the eagle And there's a section in that uh, chapter called Sounding the Alarm. And I want to share some of this with you because, remember, this was written 10 years ago to prepare the way of the Lord in our lives for this moment. 10 years ago. People say, Chuck, how could you have written these things 10 years ago when they're current, hyper-current for this very moment? All I can say is that the Lord reveals these things to me. That's all I can tell you. I lay no claim to uh, some uh, unusual insight or particular. I believe that God gives those insights. In a somewhat cryptic column, January 1st, 2000, launching the 21st century in the 7th millennium, Jonathan Pence declared, quote, China has a chance to be the next century's dominant international player, unquote. He noted this, 
The last time there was a Chinese century was the 11th century. During the 11th century, China was both the largest and the most successfully run country on Earth. He said there is a chance that it will give its name to a century for the second time, except perhaps for the Roman Empire at the height of its glory, that is not a feat any single state has been capable of before. Well, friends, do I need to remind you that what we are facing right now is the resurrected Roman Empire, the same empire that was in control and in power when Jesus was crucified and when he rose from the dead. The Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire never totally disappeared. It just was spread out across the Western world, England, Europe, the U.S., New Zealand, Australia, Canada, all of these are part of the Western world, and the extended, never-died Roman Empire. But it wasn't complete. And with the attack on Ukraine, this is being completed in the form of NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And that's why... The Russian Times today has this headline, Embracing the Empire. What does NATO accession mean for the once famously neutral Finland? Embracing the Empire. What empire is it, are they talking about? They're talking about the Western, the rising Western Empire, i.e. the resurrecting Roman Empire. Now, This is resurrecting at the very time that China is resurrecting. It's resurrecting at the very time that the, uh, after the United Nations was formed in 1945, the year I was born, at the very same time that the, shortly after, Israel was reborn as a nation. All of these things reveal a reborning, a resurrecting of great powers for these end times. And then we have the Muslim Empire. Iran seeking to create a Muslim Empire under Sharia law using nuclear power to achieve their agenda by threatening the nations of the earth, particularly the West, the so-called Christian nations of the earth. But Turkey, under Mr. Erdogan, seeks to do exactly the same thing, to restore the ancient Ottoman Empire that once ruled the world at that point, that once ruled Jerusalem. And then we have the papacy, the Western papacy under the Pope also seeks to rule the world and has already declared its intention to rule the world from Jerusalem, not from the Vatican, but from Jerusalem. So that's a religious power. All of these powers, see, are rising as we see it, Russia amalgamating with China, each for their own purposes, And the world is on 
the edge of fracturing like never before. No wonder Henry Kissinger declared in 1997, it is becoming a world we have not known. So, the problem doesn't lie in the pursuit of prosperity, but of power. There was an attention-grabbing headline of the New York Times uh, about 19... Now, actually, it was in the year 2010, I believe. New York Times made the ominous direction of Chinese destiny. The message could not be missed. Here it was. U.S. alarmed by harsh tone of China's military. And that's where we are today. Except we've just been heard that we've given away our bullets to Ukraine. What does that mean? We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. I want to make available to you here today my book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic End Time Battle where it is said that he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. The Temple Mount uh, has been back in the news this past uh, week, and uh, 40% more Jews ascended to the Temple Mount uh, this Passover than ever before in modern history. 40% more. That keeps increasing. In other words, there is a, a focus of the Jewish people in Israel on the Temple Mount. But there is also a focus by other players on the Temple Mount. As we reported in the book, King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end time battle, uh, the papacy itself lays claim to the Temple Mount. If you have not read the book, if you have not gotten the book, you must get it because it's going to open your eyes as to the dimension of the powers of this earth that are seeking moving inexorably, I might say, to claim dominion to the ultimate most prized spot on the earth, the Temple Mount. 37 acres of priceless real estate. Not because of its real estate value, but because it is perceived to be the ultimate place of power, particularly spiritual power. If you have the spiritual power, you're deemed to have the political power. And therein lies why it is the eternal focus. Plus, Satan himself decreed that he would rule and reign from the Temple Mount, the very place where Jesus claimed 
three days, four days before his persecution, his resur- his uh, uh, yeah persecution, but also crucifixion. Four days before his crucifixion, the very day he made his uh, triumphant entry into Jerusalem on Sunday, Palm Sunday, he declared the temple to be his house. But Satan is also claiming the temple to be his house. But he can't rule and reign on the Temple Mount himself. He has to do it through a human agency. And therein lies the battle for King of the Mountain. It's a $20 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org, King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end time battle. And I urge you to get a copy of it. Once you do, you will not want to put it down, I am quite sure. It's going to open your eyes. It is going to be like reading today's headlines from all over the world in one gulp. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. That's what it's going to be like. So let's take a look at uh, China and the Middle East. Where does that fit, if at all? As far back as 1995, the year we started this radio program, the handwriting was on the wall with regard to China. According to the August 27th issue of the New York Times Magazine that year, Red China had already emerged as a real threat to world peace. Another headline read, China emerges as global power with this troubling byline. The red Chinese dragon is roaring like an emerging global power, but no one is listening. China had already increased its published military budget from 1988 to 1995 by 75%. And as the New York Times Magazine noted, it's not communism and it's not trade. It's military expansion fueled by growing nationalism, and no one is paying attention. But warnings continue to grow while America fueled Chinese military machine by insatiable lust for low-priced Chinese goods. By 2001, we were again jolted by the looming threat of China. U.S. News & World Report declared China looms as the biggest factor in U.S. defense policy since the demise of the Soviet Union. But what makes China especially controversial is that Western intelligence agencies know so little about it. The China's defense minister stated, in in December of 2010, China is preparing for conflict in every direction. Those were that's a quote in every direction. So suddenly, then we're taken to the Middle East, the South China Sea uh, threats to Taiwan and Japan and the U.S. are just backdrops to a much bigger unfolding drama, and nobody's really talking about it. So Chinese. Uh, China's landscape design is global. You see, they intend to be king of the mountain. They intend to rule the world. Xi Jinping declared that about six years ago, that China would rule the world within 30 years. That was their goal. So, maybe 
maybe if we go to the Jerusalem Post in May of 2010, we can get an idea of where this is heading. And here was the headline. Why China can be can be a game changer in the Middle East. China's role in resolving the Middle East stalemate is overlooked as if it didn't exist. China's influence over Iran and the Arab world is many times greater than that of the U.S. That was ten, that was 13 years ago, friends. It has massive, unprecedented investments, hundreds of thousands of workers, engineers, and professionals on the ground. China consumes and underwrites a huge percentage of the Middle East and Iranian gross domestic product. China, uh, Iranian and Arab world economies are dependent on China's continued engagement. Now it's Africa. But is China really interested in becoming a game changer of the Middle East? Either for peace or, or prosperity. Or is China only raping the resources of an energy-rich region to satisfy its insatiable appetite for energy necessary to drive the engines of global conquest? Those are the questions. At present, China is cherry-picking the oil, gas, and resource deals while selling its goods to a captive market. But is it a biblical game-changer? Now, when we... When we look at that, I, I again want to make available to you the book King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end time battle. Uh, it's a $20 book, yours for $15, on the website saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, and we'll get the book in your hands. China is and will be a game changer in the Middle East. So, it is my opinion that it would behoove the presidents and prime ministers of our world to pay attention to the dragon as it grows ever more powerful economically and militarily. And Matt, in fact, the pastors ought to pay attention as well. Its voracious appetite is becoming insatiable. The dragon's tail is lashing out ever more frequently toward any person or power perceived to block, slow, or direct its progress from global dominion. But, the fuel, the engines of envy that drive the dragon, oil and gas have become inseparable from nationalistic investment in the Chinese century and dragon domination. So there are explosive times that are looming just ahead as foretold by the ancient prophets and the apostles of Yeshua the Messiah. As it is written, men will cry peace, peace, but there is no peace. Even purported prophets are going to be caught up, caught up in the euphoria of so-called peace. You remember, we were promised peace in our time. Last century. But there's not going to be peace until the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, Messiah, rules and reigns among men. But in the meantime, China presses on, determined to rule by a simulated sino defined peace 
as the world is surrendering progressively to the dragon's will. And it is. This is the reason, friends, why what the current political administration in America is doing is so profoundly dangerous. Bill Clinton sold out the Lincoln bedroom at the White House to Chinese influence to fund his campaign. Joe Biden has basically uh, himself and through his family done 10 times worse than that. We're not going to go into the details of it. They're all coming out, and they're going to continue to come out. It is a betrayal of our country in ways that we have never, ever seen before at the level of leadership demonstrated by a putative president. When the Chinese Communist regime announced its latent five-year plan in 2011, it proclaimed to the world that China is no longer satisfied with being the world's factory. It is going to become one of the world's innovators, and then that they would have to turn to the startup nation, which is the Jewish state of Israel, to help them with that. And that's where things went awry. Israel's response to the dragon's seduction spells, you might say, danger ahead. Both to Israel and to America. Israel is being seduced into a place of political fornication that is going to produce a bastard son dedicated both to her destruction to the destruction of America, the eagle which heretofore has guarded the startup nation with his global wings. So the stage is set. China and Israel established diplomatic relations in 1992. Just as Israel established diplomatic relations with the Vatican at the same time. Both of them desiring to rule the world. What is going on? We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Anchor your seatbelt, my friends, for this segment of the program today as we continue to talk about the rise of China, 
uh, as the powers of our world are all seeking to become king of the mountain. China has no basic religious foundation. They are motivated by a nationalistic religion of pride. They intend and see a vision of China being restored to its ancient glory from the 11th century. That's the vision. They have the largest population in the world, perhaps exceeded now only by India. They have united now with Russia... NATO and the U.S. have forced Russia's hand and compelled Russia to join forces now with China. I believe that this is all in fulfillment, ultimately, of biblical prophecy. And it leads us now to the next segment that we need to understand from a biblical perspective. Right now, all we've been talking about primarily is geopolitical information and uh, interspersed with exhortation now to be and become the people that God has called us to be and become because the times are here upon us that the biblical prophets have foretold, that Christ foretold, and that history is coming to its culminating hour. Therefore... Be a doer of the word and not just a hearer, deceiving your own self. In other words, get serious, sober up, and get serious about what it means to walk as a follower of Jesus Christ. It was an attention-grabbing headline for anyone remotely familiar with the always fascinating yet little understood book of Revelation, the culminating book of the New Testament in the Bible, The opening words of this famous yet often frustrating book declared it to be the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm reading for a couple of paragraphs here in the book, King of the Mountain, the chapter called The Dragon Versus the Eagle, the subtitle called The Kings of the East. So what time is it? What is the time that's at hand? What are those things that must shortly come to pass, as Jesus in the Revelation said? And if those words were penned nearly 2,000 years ago, what could the word shortly possibly mean? If these words of the apocalypse, that is the revelation of Jesus Christ, are so important to hear and heed, why do they seem to be shrouded in such mystery? Well, the answers to these questions have many uh, others have been progressively revealed and the curtain is being pulled back uh, sometime to a certain extent through this book as we approach the soon unveiling of the kings of the king of kings and the kings of the east so the date was september 2012 the headline was in world net daily here it was kings of the east haunt us kings of the east haunt us it was a six-page piece written i i thought it was very insightful 
an inspection of the interrelationship of the Eastern nations and their rulers, notably China, North and South Korea, uh, Myanmar, formerly Burma, Russia, and their political and military juxtaposition with regard to the United States, which I refer to as the Eagle. So the, the author of that article described the triangulation of China, Burma, and North Korea as a three-headed snake. From a, from a purely p- geopolitical standpoint, the discussion, I thought, was very troubling, and perhaps you might think it was terrifying. The kings of the East haunt the U.S. So... To kind of gain perspective on that, we have to go and visit the book of Revelation, chapter 16, verse 12. So here's what it says. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So there are those words again, the title words, the kings of the east. Biblical words, they point to the most stupendous yet ominous events of biblical history known as the Battle of Armageddon. So I continue now reading from Revelation chapter 16. And I saw three unclean spirits. They are spirits of devils, demonic spirits working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And he gathered them together into a place called the Hebrew tongue Armageddon, or the hill of Megiddo. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. So if it's done, then this must be hyper relevant. Wouldn't you say so? So we shouldn't take these words lightly. They're a profound warning to the world and to all of us. So what about the ways of the or the way of the kings of the east? Nowhere does the Bible either describe or delineate these kings nor their dominions. In other words, they're not identified. But they're plural. And in their plurality, obviously they're extremely powerful. So while not giving up their names nor the countries they govern, They describe or designate a route and a destination for their travel. Their intended destination is Har Megiddo, that is the hill or mountain of Megiddo, which is translated Armageddon. And that's the assembly point of nations in the apocalyptic scene of the great day of God Almighty. That's where God has the massive confrontation with the nations of the world. So this remains, shall we say, to a certain extent, the fulcrum of Israel's destiny. Because it's right there in the valley of Jezreel. It's going to be Israel's Elijah moment all over again. Because you'll recall that uh, in the scriptures that it was uh, on Mount Carmel that Elijah, the great prophet... Israel's greatest prophet, other than Christ himself, had his moment of truth in the valley decision with the prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Baal. And that, where that confrontation took place, 
looked over or overlooked the Valley of Jezreel and Harmageddon. I've been there. I've seen it. I've looked at it. As we speak right now, Zion Oil and Gas is drilling for oil there in that very spot. I just received a report of it last week. So, the Valley of Megiddo is the vast valley variously known throughout history as the Plain of Megiddo, or the Jezreel Valley, or the Valley of Ezralim. It's one of history's most famous battlefields. So the way of the kings of the east is the way that leads to the Valley of Megiddo, to Armageddon. So we go back to Revelation chapter 16, verse 12, to find out a little bit more about this the description of the way to be taken by the kings of the east. The way involves the driving up, drying up of the great river Euphrates. That's the preparation necessary to facilitate this amazing, horrendous confrontation of the globe's great powers in their final desperate grasp, grasp to become king of the mountain. So the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, as you know, from your world history classes, Define the Fertile Crescent of ancient history. The Euphrates is the largest river in Western Asia and uh, is generally referred to as the river in the Old Testament. The source is in eastern Turkey, and it flows to the Persian Gulf approximately 1,240 miles. This was the major river of that area of the world. A major natural and strategic barrier for any significant land passage from the east to the Middle East. And that's why it stands in the way of the kings of the east. So, interestingly, the book of Revelation says that great river is going to be dried up. Is that possible? Well, yes, it is possible. In fact, a while back, there was a report given that the river was being dried up. So dry was it becoming that farmers along the edge of the Euphrates River were complaining about the rising uh, quantity of deadly snakes that were appearing on their land. In 1990, January 13th, the Indianapolis Star carried the headline, Turkey will cut off flow of Euphrates for one, Euphrates for one month. So there's been a huge reservoir built by Turkey to fill the reservoir. Turkey would stop the flow of the Euphrates for one month. So now with that dam, Turkey is now capable of controlling, indeed stopping the Euphrates River at will. Who would have ever believed it? The prophet would have never understood that. Then we're told that this, these kings of the east will field an army of 200 million men. Well, isn't it interesting that on September 20th, 2012, came this 
Quote, it's not just the Middle East, China's on the march. This came from the prominent historian Neil Ferguson. He said, perhaps we should all worry about a different kind of rage, the Chinese rage that takes the form of hyperventilating nationalism. Well, what does that look like? Because time is short here, friends, the only thing that I can tell you is that China declared, with these astounding words, May 21st, 1965, one year before my wife and I were married, Red China passed the the word that its 200 million man and woman militia had gone into serious training. 200 million men. And the gender side that they've engaged in since that time has dramatically changed the demographics within China, creating a sense of male desperation. So the cover of The Economist magazine in March 2010 asked this famous and very troubling question. What happened to 100 million girls? So Women are missing by the millions, aborted, killed, neglected to death. And so there's an excess of men by at least a 100 million in China. And the selective abortion of girls in Pakistan has also resulted, excuse me, uh, reported 32 million males in China that would result in bitter fruit. So we're looking at a situation, friends, that is ripe now for the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. But when China says we're ready for war, today they made the statement. 